Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be together. A very warm welcome. If you're here for the first time, we love having guests and visitors amongst us, and we hope you feel at home um, whilst you're with us. Um, my name's Nathan. I'm part of the leadership team here. Andrew, who leads us as a leadership team, uh, is currently away down in Pinehurst, uh, in Westmore's Pinehurst Community Church, one of our commission uh, churches, part of the family, and so he's preaching down there and, uh, and blessing them, and we want to pray that actually he's blessed by being there as well, don't we? Um, so let's just pray for him and uh, pray for that church as well. Father, we want to thank you for the gift that Andrew is to us as a church. Both Andrew and Emma, Lord God, we love them dearly, and we're so grateful for them, and we pray, Lord God, your blessing on them as they spend time uh, yeah, with our brothers and sisters, Lord God, uh, down in Westmores. Lord, we pray that they would know your hand upon them. Lord, we pray as Andrew preaches that he would encourage and build up and strengthen that church, Lord God. We pray that you would be revealed and encountered through this morning, Lord God. And we pray for Andrew and Emma, Lord God, that they would be blessed as a result of being a part of that church this morning, Lord God. We pray, uh, speak into their lives and encourage and build them up as well uh, whilst they're down there. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. I wonder how you would describe your relationship with God. For those who are Christians here this morning, what does it mean for you to be a Christian? What does it look like for you? Just think on that for a moment. What does it mean for me to be a Christian? Or ask yourself this question. How has becoming a Christian and following Christ changed me? How has following Christ changed me? Well, maybe you're here this morning and you would say, well, I'm not a Christian yet, Nathan. No. But maybe you know someone who is. How has following Christ changed them? What have you noticed as different about them? For some of us, that's a really hard question to answer. And I want to hopefully... Uh, help, hopefully help us to answer that question this morning. But for others, you found it easier, and I hopefully want to expand uh, and uh, deepen that answer this morning. For all of us, I want to, by God's power and by his spirit this morning, help us to know more of why does God want to rescue us? What is, is his purpose for us? And so if you've got a Bible, we're going to be carrying on our series in Galatians, and so turn to Galatians chapter 5. That's right, we're moving forwards. We're going forwards into chapter 5. Two chapters to go. Two chapters to go. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who let himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. 
For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I just want to read verse 1 again. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This verse is probably the heart of this letter that Paul writes to the Galatians. It sums up so much of what he's writing about in the rest of the chapters. Paul is concerned greatly that this church in Galatia that he loves and cares for lives in the freedom that Christ has won for, won for them. As an elder of this church, one of my chief aims is that we as a church, that each of us as individuals and together, corporately, we're unified in knowing the freedom that Christ has for us, that Christ has won for us, that we are able to live under the grace of God, that we are able to know freedom through the Holy Spirit, to be bold in sharing the gospel, to know freedom to move away more and more from being fearful and held down by shame and guilt, and to be released into the freedom that God has for us in his grace, to be courageous, to be bold, to know we're accepted, to know freedom to be kingdom builders in our workplaces, homes, and communities. That's for every believer, not based on gender or age or sexuality or marriage status or anything else. That we would each know freedom to enjoy God, to love God, and to love others in the fullness God has made us to know and live in. But clearly, from what Paul is writing, that's not quite true of the Galatians. He wouldn't be writing it otherwise. He's seen something in the Galatians which means actually that they're tied down. There's something which is tying them down, and they're not knowing the freedom that Christ has won for them. It made me think of my experience of, uh, of moving out of home. And uh, when I was 18, I decided to spend a, a year in South Africa. And so I left. I left my home. I went to a continent I'd never been to. I went to a place where I knew nobody else. And I lived there for a year. But I did that assuming a few things. First thing was this. I would come back to my home and I'd still have my parents' home to live in. Secondly, my bedroom would remain my bedroom. I knew it. I knew it was going to be mine still. No one could take my bedroom. And if for any reason the year went horribly wrong, I knew I could get on a plane and my parents would be there ready to accept me back. That my home was always there. And so although I moved out at that time, it wasn't really officially moving out. I knew that I was going back. But when I finished my year in South Africa, I had so enjoyed the freedom of living my way, that I could leave the dishes by the sink for a few days. Oh, oh the freedom. <laughs> that I could look at the carpet and know oh, it needs cleaning, but I'm going to give it another few days. I could just delay it. The freedom, I could cook what I wanted, that I could choose to have steak. Oh, lovely. And so when I came home, I determined that I was going to move out as soon as I could. No matter what the cost, financial cost, I wanted to move out because I so enjoyed the freedom that I had 
that I wanted to live in that again. And so I very quickly uh, found a friend who, he had a flat and he had a spare bedroom. And so I moved in with him. And despite being on a very low salary, I moved in and started paying rent and lived on hardly anything. But I had my freedom to cook whatever cheap microwave meals (laughs) I could find. And the temptation was always to go back. When I thought about my parents' home, I thought, I I could go back there. I would get nice meals. They'd be homemade meals, not microwave meals. This, This would be nice. I thought, you know, I'd, I would have my clothes washed for me if I asked. I mean, that was amazing temptation. But actually, there was something of freedom that I'd found in moving out. You know, it's so easy as Christians to be tempted back into the old ways of life. The old ways which appeared so attractive. But we weren't free in them. We were trapped. Each of us, when we came to Jesus... We, we came out of a great need of being rescued and of being saved into freedom. Each of us were freed from the jaws of sin and death. Often we didn't even realize the trouble that we were in, the darkness that we were in, the great need that we were in. And Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesian church in chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, he writes this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In this passage, we see that we have been freed from death. We have been freed from our transgressions and sins. We have been freed from living for this world. We have been freed from the enemy. But we've also been freed into mercy. Freed into life with Christ. Freed into being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We've been freed into incomparable riches of his grace. We've been freed into God's kindness. We've been freed into faith, freed into God's gifts, freed into God's good works for us to do. We've been freed into God's plan for our lives. Just to think on this further, then, what does freedom look like? What does it mean to be free in Christ? I want to look at three things this morning that means to live in the freedom God has for us. And I'll put it like this. Being free 
is one, relationship with God. Being free is the result of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And being free is life in the spirit of God. First then, being free is relationship with God. To live in the freedom God has intended and won for us is to live in relationship with him. Being free means to enjoy the relationship that we have with God. It's that that offer from God to us that we can know him, that he is near, that he's with us, that we can speak with him and talk with him, that we can go through life with him. The temptation is to go, God, thank you for this offer of eternal life. Thank you for this offer of a, a ticket to heaven. And go, but the rest of life I've got sorted. It's all right. I'm, I'm okay. I don't need you for anything else. But God wants relationship with us. He wants to set us free into relationship with us. The salvation that we share with others isn't about Jesus. Sorry, we share with others about in Jesus isn't just a prayer to eternal life. It's a relationship with God now. We get to start living out eternity now. Start living in the blessings. Start enjoying the benefits of knowing and enjoying God's presence today, tomorrow, next week. To enjoy the freedom Christ set us free for is to enjoy each day in relationship with God. I'm freed from doing life by myself. Hallelujah. I'm freed from trying to solve everything out myself. I'm freed from trying to impress others or searching for everything I need in marriage or friends or through my work or my children. I can know intimacy with God, my heavenly Father. I can know I'm accepted. I am loved. I am never alone. That brings freedom. Secondly then, being free is the result of the death and resurrection of Jesus. There's a mic in in the way of my drinking if I drink (laughs) right-handed. Being free is the result of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus himself came to proclaim freedom to the captives, to those in need of rescuing and saving. In Luke 4, 16 to 21, we read, Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into a synagogue As was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to proclaim and win freedom. He did it in the most unexpected way on the cross, by suffering and dying and taking our punishment. Jesus saved us from the wrath that we deserved and made a way for us to know freedom. Freedom in this life, freedom in eternity, freedom from sin, freedom from death, and freedom from an eternity without him. Again, Jesus says in John 8, 34 to 36, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a, is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. When we leave the maltings today and we go through the week 
What helps us to know that we have been saved? What helps us to know that we have been changed? What helps us to know that we have a future and a hope? That we are loved by God? We look to the cross and we see that Jesus has already died. He's already proved his love for us on the cross. We look to the empty grave and remind ourselves that he has conquered over sin and death. So that those who trust in the name of Jesus have a future and a hope. Friends, as we gather together this week in life groups, as we meet up with each other sometimes for coffee or we pass each other in the street and wave and maybe just have a chat and suddenly hear what's going on in our lives, what is the comfort that we can give to each other through challenging times and seasons? It's that we have a saviour who has bought our freedom, that we are free. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. That he has bought our freedom, that he has died in our place, that everything in this life, all the struggles and pains, sicknesses and loss, it will all pass away. On Thursday afternoon, Karen and I got together in uh, my office and, um, and we watched a funeral of a friend of ours. Uh, who had died at the age of 36. And, um, and it was beautiful to watch and yet very hard as well. As we celebrated this life that had been lived. And they did it beautifully. They celebrated her husband and her 10-year-old daughter celebrated the life that she had in Christ celebrated that she had lived her life well. She had lived her life running for Christ. Yes, great loss, but yes, great triumph and celebration. We have been bought with a freedom. We have a hope and a future. What Jesus has done on the cross gives us this amazing future and a hope. Jesus has won an eternal freedom, not a temporary fix, not a freedom if we feel like it or if we act well or in a certain way, now we look to the cross and see we are loved. We are loved. We are loved. We look to the cross and see we have a future. We look to the cross and see we have been freed from fear and worry and being given peace and courage. Being free is relationship with God. Being free is the result of the death and resurrection of Christ. And being free is life in the Spirit. The Galatians were trying to put expectations and laws of being circumcised on new uh, non-Jewish or Gentile, uh, as they talk about them and name them in the book, Gentile Christians. They were trying to go back to thinking, if only I did this or that, God would love me more. God would accept me. If, If I did this action, God would accept me. How do we resist the temptation to go back to trying to think that we can earn God's love? It's so easy to do. It's so easy to go back to thinking, if if I do this, if I act in this way, God will accept me more. No, no, friends, God already accepts us because of Jesus. You cannot be more loved than you are now by God. He loves you. He loves me. He's passionately for us. He's shown that and displayed that on the cross. But we do it in the power and the life of the Holy Spirit. We live in it. We resist that temptation by the power and the life of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is our comforter and our strength. 
The Spirit is the one who comes alongside and reminds us that we are loved children of God, that we're accepted. He points us to the cross. He points us to the finished work of Jesus. The Spirit empowers us to live in the freedom that we have been given. The Spirit gives us the words to say, to share Jesus with others who don't yet know him. The Spirit gives us gifts to build up other believers. And some of us would say, well, that's great. I love it when I see others doing it. I love it when I see others sharing Jesus with people. I love it when I see others sharing gifts of prophecy or, or tongues and interpretation or words of knowledge. I, I love seeing that, in others, but not me. And friends, God has more for each of us. He has more freedom that he wants to bring each of us into. That actually the Spirit leads us, leads us in to know that we are loved children of God and leads us to know that we have a purpose, that, we are, that we're here to build others up, that we're here to encourage others no matter who we are, that God can use each and every one of us. And so I'll urge us to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. To be more like Christ, we need more of the Holy Spirit's help. To know the joy of the Lord, to know the peace that Jesus walked the earth with, we need to draw near to the Holy Spirit and ask him to fill us afresh, to help us and to show us the freedom that we've been given. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul goes on to talk about how circumcision isn't the mark of salvation, but faith in Christ. That is the mark of salvation. The Galatians were trying to put laws back on the table again and include different hoops for people to go through, and we can so easily do that too. We can tell people that you have to dress in a shirt or a dress to be accepted here. We can say, you'll have to be on a rotor to be accepted here. Or you have to be married to be a part of our life group. Or maybe you can't wear tattoo, you can't have tattoos and be a part of the church. That's, maybe we're past that one now. <laughs> or maybe you can't be a Christian and smoke. That, that's, that doesn't go together. There are just some of the law, these are just some of the laws we can so easily put on others in order to be a part of our church or a part of our life group or just to be a Christian. And we need to be so careful that we lead people and each other to Jesus, that we lead people to the grace of God, that we lead people to the freedom that God gives us, that God gives each of us to know and to live in. God wants us to live in the freedom Christ has won for us on the cross. It's so tempting to think we were better off in our old lives. But actually, we, we, we knew more freedom when we weren't Christians. And actually, we think a little bit like the Israelites when they've just escaped out of Egypt. You might know the story, but Moses is there, and Moses leads God's people out of Egypt. And they get to the Red Sea, and they pass through the Red Sea, and there's this great celebration. It's like, wow, God, you're amazing. I can't believe you just, like, parted the Red Sea, that these giant waves are out of the way, and we've passed through. You've done it, Lord. You're amazing. You're the best. You're great. And then, like, a day later, well, it was better off in Egypt, wasn't it? Like, it was way better. There. And it's like, so quickly, gone from going, God, you're amazing, the freedom that we have suddenly. Actually, you know, I was better off in Egypt. I was better off in slavery. I was better there. 
Because at least, you know, at least I had food and I had water. Instead of looking to God and going, Lord, how are you going to provide for me? Lord, you've called me to freedom. How are you going to provide for my needs in this freedom? How can I trust you more? How can I put my faith in you more? I want to show two clips uh, from films this morning. Two of my favorite films, in fact. One is called The Rescuers Down Under. Great cartoon, if, if you've ever seen it. And the other one is uh, The Shawshank Redemption. And just to warn you, there is a slightly little bit of bad language in The Shawshank. I hope you can excuse it uh, just for the uh, message that I want to bring from it. But can we play those, please, Thomas? Take it back a little bit. Let me take it back. Ah! 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 Frank! Frank! You're free! Free? Double or nothing, he's caught in five minutes. Calm down, all right? Look at me. And to crawl to freedom through 500.
Andy crawled to freedom through 500 yards of shit-smelling foulness I can't even imagine. Or maybe I just don't want to. Five hundred yards. That's the length of five football fields. Just shy of half a mile. Made you want to go watch both those films now? I already want to go watch them both. The reason I wanted to show them is one clip shows how, despite our freedom, the worries of the world lead us to thinking we were better off actually locked back in that cage. That character, Frank, he was desperate at the end to get back in that cage. Thought it was way better off for me in there. And we start, he came out, started celebrating his freedom, and yet longing to get back in that cage. The other one shows the journey that God's taken us on, that we were locked up in the prison of death and sin, and we've been brought out of the muck and mire that we were in and freed from that life, not going back. And we've been washed clean given the promise of a new life in Christ. And the character in that film, Andy Dufresne, is given a new identity. He's escaped the prison, and he's given a new identity and travels to a beach in Mexico where he lives, as far as we're aware, in peace. And friends, we still face troubles in this world, but we too have a new identity. We too have been washed clean. We too have been given a new way of living. Why would we go back to the prison that we were in? Why would we want to try and live in a way which is unsure of the love of God and our relationship with him? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Free to live in relationship with God, to know and enjoy his voice and leading each day. Free to live in the good of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have died to our old ways of living, our old lives of sin and been raised up with Christ to live a new life of the good works that God has planned for us to do. Free to live through the power of the Spirit to be all that God's made us to be, to have the effect on the communities around us. He wants to empower us, empower us to have and to live in the security and the knowledge that we are children of God. Sons and daughters of our maker. Freedom releases us in that way. That as we live, it releases us to live a life of faith and not legalism. It releases, releases us to a life of adventure and not must-dos and have-tos. For those who believe this verse, 
that we've read at the beginning, Galatians 5 verse 1. Can we just stick it up again, Thomas? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. If, if that's something you read and go, yeah, I believe that. I want that in my life. I'd like us to read it together. So I'm going to start us off. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Why don't you maybe just where you are in your seat, just read that again just in your head. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let's close our eyes and pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the way that you have come to rescue each and every one of us. That you've come to take us out of the prison that we are in. Out of the muck and mire that we are in. And you've come to bring freedom. You've come to set the captives free. God, would you come and bring freedom afresh today? Freedom afresh in our lives, Lord God. I pray for those of us who are captive to fear. I pray break that today in Jesus' name. I pray for those of us, Lord God, who are captive to shame. I pray break that right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord God, that we would know that we are loved and accepted. That we are your children. That we don't have to prove or earn our way to you. But Jesus has done that for us. Lord, help us to live in the good of that. Help us to live in the freedom of that, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, you have good plans for us as a church. Thank you, Lord God, that you have good plans for us as individuals. That you have planned before the beginning of time for us to do. That you have good works, Lord God. That things that you want to do to go up, for us to go and bless others. To go and build your kingdom. Thank you, Lord God, that you've placed each and every one of us in the homes and in the houses that we're in. Thank you, Lord God, that you have good plans for us in those places, Lord God. Thank you, you have good plans for us as we spend time with our neighbors. Thank you, it's a, not a surprise that we live next door to this person or that person, Lord God, that you've placed them there. I pray, Lord God, for a freedom to come upon us to share you with others. I pray, Lord God, that we would live in your freedom as we go into our workplaces, Lord God, as we spend time with friends who don't yet know you, Lord God, there would be a freedom upon us, Lord God, that we would be known and seen as different. Oh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We say, come and do what you want to do amongst us this morning. Come and set us free to be all that you've made us to be, Lord God, where we go clambering back to our old lives and try and get back into that cage that we're in. God, we pray, set us free, Lord God. Let us live in your freedom. We don't want to be like the Israelites trying to go back to Egypt, Lord God. We want to be a people who live and know your freedom. Come, Spirit of God, we pray. Set us free afresh this morning, we pray. Help us to know the freedom that you've bought for us. In the mighty, precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to continue in worship. In a little while, we're going to be taking up uh, the offering for the gift week. If you've already given into the baskets um, already, 
brilliant, don't worry, we can get those envelopes out and put it into the right ones. Uh, if you've not yet, this is going to be a great opportunity for us to express something of our freedom. And you might be like, well, how's that? How does that work? I think there's something where we can easily suddenly go, oh, it's gift week. Oh, well, we ought to do this. And no, no, friends, let's just remember what we've looked at. We have been set free, free from legalism. We don't have to give. Out of the freedom God gives us, we can choose to give. And, uh, and that is up to what God puts on our hearts. And so I just want to encourage us afresh. Maybe God wants to speak to us and uh, speak about what he wants to do in us. And uh, Father, I pray that we would not be filled with any sort of legalism right here. When it comes to the gift week, Lord God, we pray that we would be free to give or free to not give. God, I pray that we would live in that freedom and that your grace would cover us. And so, Lord, I pray, would you bless, bless us as a church, Lord God. We pray for this mortgage again and we pray, Lord God, would you clear it. God, we pray for all the works that we want to do to this building to, to update it and make it usable and and workable and great for our guests and visitors who come in. Lord, we pray, provide for that, we ask, Lord God. And Lord, we pray for everything that we do uh, midweek and, and all throughout the week. Lord, we pray, provide for that. You're our great provider. So we look to you, Lord God, and we praise you and we bless you. And we say, Lord God, would we have a joyful time of celebrating the freedom that we have? And would we have a joyful time of giving back to you as well in all that you've given us? In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Pam.